Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. With two weeks of NFL action in the books, we have some added clarity on the outlooks of players around the league. So this episode, we'll cover about 15 to 20 players I'd be buying based on slow starts. At quarterback, only a couple of guys, Tom Brady and Derek Carr. For Brady, he hasn't put up big numbers through two games, but he'll eventually get Chris Godwin back. Julio Jones will hopefully be back after missing just one game. Russell Gaines should be healthier moving forward, and Cole Beasley, being signed to the practice squad, provides some added insurance for Tampa Bay's pass catchers. I was expecting high-end QB1 production from Brady this season, and I still think that will be the case once Tampa Bay gets healthy and finds their footing offensively. And I won't mention them later, but Chris Godwin and Julio Jones are both guys I'd be investing in. Godwin, when healthy, is a wide receiver one, and Julio looked great in week one, so hopefully he's healthy after sitting in week two. And for this week, with Mike Evans suspended, if Julio is active, he could be the number one target for Brady. And I expect the Bucks will do what they can to have him avoid coverage from Jair Alexander. The other quarterback, Derek Carr, under Josh McDaniels, it's a new offense for him. But the weapons are there, and he'll eventually put up consistent QB1 numbers. Carr hasn't even played well yet, but he's still the QB13 through two games. And there are some shootouts on the schedule. After this week in Tennessee, they'll take on the Broncos and Chiefs in the AFC West. And real quick for Dynasty Leagues, I'd invest in Jared Goff if he's still undervalued. He's the overall QB9 to begin the season, and the Detroit offense will be even tougher to defend when rookie Jameson Williams eventually makes his debut. At running back, I have five names that I'd be buying. First, someone that has promised fantasy owners he'll find the end zone soon, Leonard Fournette. The workload has been there with touches of 23 and 26 to begin the season, and Tampa Bay clearly wants to have more balance especially with all the issues at wide receiver right now. This week, I have Fournette as a top five option, and it might be the only chance you have to buy low if fantasy owners are frustrated by the production so far. On Sunday night, the Packers showed some issues versus David Montgomery in the Chicago running game, and that's an area, no matter the health of Tampa Bay's wideouts, that I expect will be exploited. I'd also be checking in on Ezekiel Elliott as a buy low option. He's had exactly 5.4 fantasy points in each of his first two games, And like Fournette, he's yet to find the end zone. That said, eventually Dak Prescott will return for Dallas. And at some point, holes will start to open up more for Zeke in two big matchups against the NFC East over the next two games at the Giants on Monday night and then hosting Washington in week four. I'd be treating Zeke as a high-end RB2 with the hopes that the Cowboys give him a 20-touch workload to win these important games before Dak has a shot at returning in week five. Zeke is currently the RB47 in half PPR leagues, so I'm assuming the price won't be too high for those looking to offload him. Another running back that usually went around the third round that has disappointed, Travis Etienne. Like Fournette and Elliott, I'm sort of banking on the touchdowns eventually coming for Etienne. He's been close to a couple, including that would-be touchdown on a drop in week one. And while the remarkable recovery of James Robinson from his torn Achilles has been a ding on Etienne's outlook, I think Jacksonville will use their running backs enough that he'll eventually start having big games along with a solid floor. In the opener, Etienne turned 6 touches into 7.5 fantasy points, and last week he turned 12 touches into 6.8 fantasy points. So I'm hopeful he'll soon start breaking some long plays, and I think the touchdowns can follow. Also, I like how the next stretch sets up for him at the Chargers, at the Eagles, and then a matchup at home versus the Texans. Basically, as is the case with all these options that I'm recommending you buy low on, it's an investment in the talent. And I believe in Etienne's ability to be a difference maker. Two more running back. First, Rashad Penny. 
Last week was a difficult matchup versus San Francisco. He rushed six times for 15 scoreless yards, and that was on the heels of a tough matchup in week one versus Denver, but he was more effective in that one with 12 carries for 60 yards. Seattle wants to be a run first team, and featuring Penny, like they did down the stretch in 2021, is the best way for them to bounce back and remain competitive in the NFC West. Lastly, Ramondre Stevenson. The common theme with these running backs is a lack of touchdowns. Stevenson is clearly behind Damian Harris in the pecking order for New England. It's not a large gap, but Harris is the clear starter and has also been trusted with some work in the passing game with five targets compared to three for Stevenson. But I still like the second-year runner as a low-end RB2 flex option for the rest of the season. The Patriots should get rolling offensively over these next couple of games into October. And Stevenson seems like one of those guys where as the weather gets colder, he'll get tougher and tougher to tackle. So even though taking over the backfield is unlikely with Harris healthy, Stevenson is worth checking in on and seeing if you could buy low. Remember, in addition to the standalone value, he's a premium handcuff that would probably be a top 15 option if Harris were to ever miss time. Now wide receiver, looking over the names that I have written down here, I'm realizing these are all players that haven't found the end zone yet. So that's a common theme. Target talented players that will hopefully have their touchdown luck in their favor as the season progresses. First, C.D. Lamb. He's seen 11 targets in back-to-back games to open the year. Last week was encouraging with seven receptions for 75 yards, catching passes from Cooper Rush. And Lamb, as hoped, also got a carry for six yards. Dallas knows they need to give him the ball and the play of Noah Brown across from him, along with the hopeful return of Michael Gallup, will start to soften coverage. And I'm expecting he'll have a big game either this week versus the Giants or next week versus Washington. Again, no touchdowns or real chunk play so far, but 11 targets in each of the first two games is definitely encouraging for Lamb's outlook. Another hopeful wide receiver one option, DK Metcalf. The first two games against the Broncos and 49ers weren't perfect matchups for him, but I love his outlook versus Atlanta and Detroit over the next two games. The touchdown upside for Metcalf was a big reason to believe in him, and for whatever it's worth, he's caught three touchdowns in two career games versus Atlanta and scored three touchdowns against the Lions last year in Week 17. So if DK could get hot finding the end zone, his quiet start will quickly be forgotten, and he'll at least be viewed as a high-end, high-upside wide receiver too. Another player playing with a new quarterback this season, Deontay Johnson. Like CeeDee Lamb, he's seen double-digit targets in each of his first two games, and working the sideline in particular is where Mitchell Trubisky really trusts Deontay to make plays. He's probably not a guy fantasy owners are eager to sell based on a high floor, but Johnson is still worth inquiring about as a clear number one wideout for the Steelers. Now a former Steeler, Juju Smith-Schuster, he had six receptions for 79 yards in the first half of his first game with the Chiefs, but it's been quiet since then, 10 yards over his past six quarters, but I think things will start to soften up for Juju. As Patrick Mahomes said, it will be more of a spread-the-wealth attack this season, but excluding Travis Kelsey, Smith-Schuster is the top wideout for Kansas City, and I think he'll be featured with a couple of road matchups at the Colts and at the Bucks over the next two games. Another buy low at wide receiver, Devontae Smith, but maybe less so after a good game on Monday night. Smith probably could have had an even bigger game versus Minnesota had the Vikings been able to make it a game offensively, but he caught 7 of 7 targets for 80 yards, and the zero catch performance in the opener could turn out to be a long-term positive for Smith, as it seems to have led to Philly's offense making sure he's involved, including early in the game, with A.J. Brown often drawing extra attention. Smith should have some big gains versus single coverage, 
and anyone that's watched Jalen Hurst through two games has to be impressed with him. I don't see how you could say he doesn't have the ability to support multiple big-time fantasy options in terms of the pass catchers. Another number two wideout for a team behind a high-end wide receiver one is Hunter Renfro for Las Vegas. After just 21 yards in week one, Renfro saw 10 targets on Sunday, which he turned into seven receptions for 59 yards. Still no touchdown, and the fumble knocked down his fantasy total in week two, but the Raiders know they need to keep Renfro involved. As Derek Carr becomes more comfortable in Josh McDaniel's offense, Renfro's numbers should increase. And as stated, after facing the Titans this week, the Raiders get back on the AFC West tour with matchups versus the Broncos and Chiefs that Renfro should have a major role in. The final wideout I'll mention, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like I said, Mahomes has called it a spread-the-wealth offense for the Chiefs this season, and Valdez-Scantling is too dangerous of a vertical threat, especially combined with Mahomes' ability to extend plays and uncork accurate deep balls to not have at least a couple of monster games this season. I see on ESPN, MBS has dropped down below 70% roster percentage, so if he's become available in your league, definitely scoop up Valdez-Scantling as a guy that could pay huge dividends when bye weeks begin to kick in because of the high weekly ceiling in Andy Reid's offense. Now to close the episode with a trio of tight ends, perhaps the best buy-low option in all of fantasy football right now, Kyle Pitts. He's been held at 19 scoreless yards in each of his first two games, but it was against the Saints defense that is typically very stingy versus tight ends, and the Rams defense that had heavy coverage hanging over Atlanta's best offensive weapon. The play of Drake London should open things up for Pitts, and a big part of making trades is finding players that maybe your league mates are frustrated about. Pitts combining for 5.8 fantasy points in two games to start the season could definitely lead to an emotional owner wanting to get rid of him at a fairly significant discount. This week we have Pitts ranked as a tight end two behind Travis Kelsey with Mark Andrews facing the Patriots and hopefully all concerns about him are erased after week three. Another guy that was drafted as a top five tight end that hasn't produced because he's been out the first two weeks, George Kittle. I think Jimmy Garoppolo taking over as a starter is a boost to San Francisco's pass catchers. As we've said before at Wolf Sports, Jimmy G putting passes right on the money to allow for run-after-catch opportunities was an underrated part of his game. Kittle didn't get a chance to play with Lance this season, but we know he can produce with Garoppolo. And if a fantasy owner in your league sits at 0-2 with Kittle on their roster, they might be willing even though it sounds like he should play this week, to trade him for a more reliable option. This week, the Niners will play on Sunday night, and it's at least notable that Kittle has typically dominated in prime time, catching 84 passes for 1,127 yards and 8 touchdowns in just 14 games. I think Garoppolo being back as a starter and Kittle hopefully returning will provide a jolt to the entire offense, and Kittle should immediately be ranked as a top 5 option at tight end. To finish off the tight ends, not exactly a buy-low option, because I'd assume there's a good chance he's available as a free agent. But Cole Komet, who has yet to catch a pass in 2022, I think Komet this week against Lovey Smith's defense will be able to find holes for Justin Fields to throw into. It's risky playing someone that has two targets and zero receptions through two weeks, but I'm still betting on the talent for Komet. And the struggles are almost so exaggerated that things should tilt back in his direction by hopefully being featured by an offense that needs to get going through the air. I also like Darnell Mooney just to throw in another receiver, but at a tougher position, Komet is worth adding if available as someone I think can still have tight end one value in 2022. So that will wrap up the buy lows. 
to go over them quickly, real quick. I'd be trying to acquire Tom Brady and Derek Hart quarterback, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Travis Etienne, Rashad Penny, and Ramondre Stevenson at running back, a wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb, DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Smith, Hunter Renfro, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, and Cole Komet at tight end. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Siglary Podcast.